Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Thank you. 
JM in the AM. Monday morning as we head back to school and back to work here at JM in the AM. Maybe not to um, the actual school buildings and maybe not the actual work buildings that we're used to. Uh, but hopefully here in New York, that'll be coming to a, a close soon in terms of the, um, well, at least in terms of work being outside of our regular work buildings. New York is scheduled, New York City at least, is scheduled to start reopening uh, uh, this coming Monday, a week from today. Um, yeah, although the question is, will New York ever reopen as the uh, authorities allow anarchy to rule? And we watch as uh, innocent people have their lives and businesses destroyed. But I guess that's a different topic, or maybe not. Who knows? Uh, we pray for, we pray collectively as a community and as a uh, community of human beings, we pray that the uh, authorities and government have the strength and common sense to put an end to the violence and destruction that's going on now in New York and so many other cities around the United States. We pray that uh, they're capable and that they're they're um, they're able to um, to put an end to it and quickly. Uh, otherwise, the legacy of all these cities' leaders around the country will be one of uh, of tremendous embarrassment and disgrace for decades to come. Uh, Monday morning here at JM and the brand new microphone. Yeah, with everything that's going on, we've got some good news. <laughs> and the new mic has been installed. I I don't know if you can uh, if you can hear the difference in my voice or the uh, quality of what's coming out of our studio here in New York City, but I certainly feel it's an improvement. I want to thank ZK. He uh, would not um, he would not leave me on FaceTime until this thing was installed properly, and I thank him very, very much, our chief engineer. Uh, Simcha Liner with Pischili. You heard Zevi Kaufman. He had Pischuli. Sababa done by the Kinderlach. Jeremy Stamen, brand new with Rifa Enu. Nisim, the song by Shlomi Toisig, Nisim and Flows. Masach Hashem, it's our Monday morning theme song with Mayor Sherman, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Monday on this June 1st, the 9th of Sivan, the year 5780. 53 degrees, 50% humidity, winds are west at 5 miles per hour. Partly sunny and a high temperature of 73. Then tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 59. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high, 78 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 78. We're at 53 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, many people have posted beautiful tributes to by Dr. Norman Lamb. Uh, passed away yesterday. And um, was the great leader of Yeshiva University through a very difficult era. Uh, but so much more than that. Rabbi Lamb was uh, an incredible leader. An amazing orator. A wonderful visionary. An incredible philosopher. And um, he had lost his wife just a few weeks ago, and um, now he succumbed to uh, old age. And for those of us who grew up in my generation, there was no greater example of Toro Mada, of somebody who could combine 
so many courses of study and so many incredible areas of expertise into one man, into one being, into one presentation. And it's interesting, I I referred to him as my Rebbe mentor and hero, and in effect, or in reality, he was never my Rebbe in the traditional sense. He was never my mentor officially, yet he was both to me and to so many. And of course, he was a hero of mine because of uh, how he saved our beloved institution in the 1970s and how he led and flew the flag proudly, the flag of Toro Mada, the flag of being able to live and be a leader in more than one section of society. Incredible the way he did it and incredible the way he uh, wore it proudly. Um, He was also a great pulpit rabbi, an incredible orator. I always wonder if he had any help writing his speeches because they were so clever and so him. I wonder if anybody else could even help him along in those efforts. And there are a couple of speeches that were simply remarkable, a couple that I have read over and over and over over the last 40 years. Um, so we will miss her by Dr. Norman Lamb and I, uh, extend condolences to his entire family from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. It is in fact a, uh, a sad day for the, uh, global Jewish community, even, even, even for those who refuse to acknowledge or admit it. 23 minutes before 7 o'clock, Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Well, interesting day here today. We get to speak to Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. The brand new book is called Our Man in Jerusalem. I, I've gotten through at least, I, I just got the book late last night. I've gotten through at least 200 pages already, which I think is pretty sufficient when it comes to doing an interview, frankly. But I say it like that because I, I just tore through it so quickly. It, it is such an unbelievable read. Uh, it's hard to believe it's all true, frankly, but we'll ask him about that. And Rabbi Seltzer, who's a very interesting interview, and I look forward to every time we speak, I didn't realize he's written 35 books already. Talk about somebody who spends his time uh, in such an incredible arena um, and delving into the lives of so many interesting people. He, of course, is also responsible for the book about Revitz and Young Grace, so there's plenty to talk about. Rabbi Seltzer's going to join us about 7.35 this morning here at JM in the AM. It is a Monday morning broadcast. I thank you all for tuning in. Shlaimi Gertner next at JM in the AM.
The amazing Katz Brothers, Eitan Katz from Live in Jerusalem, volume number two, Everlasting Love is the name of the selection. Of course, Shlomo Katz joining him with that amazing song. Yehi Shalom done by Achenu. You heard Yosef Chaim and Yerushalayim. Shlomi Gertner had Yivarechacha here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for joining us. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSiegel.com, and the AlchemSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Monday morning, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer will join us. We'll talk about the brand-new book, Our Man in Jerusalem. He'll join us about 7.35 this morning. I'll have more to say about the passing of Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb coming up, and we pray for our government officials and our police forces to be able to restore order to all the major cities in the United States before we go completely down the drain and before every one of those leaders is remembered as a disgraced disgraced leader for allowing this destruction and wanton violence to occur. We pray for our government leaders, we pray for our police forces that they have the strength and common sense to end these violent and demonstrative activities as soon as possible. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. We say Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. Galitzal in Yerushalayim, Asha Ashtayim, Shalom Rav, Kan Ran Yavnei, Ima Shekorei Achshav. בקורונה במערכת החינוך, 13 תלמידים ואנשי הוראה זוהו ביממה האחרונה כחולים חדשים. עם הפרטים כתבנו אליאב בטיטו. ביממה האחרונה חל גידול של פי שלושה במספר המבודדים, זאת עקב אבחונם של 13 חולים, מתוכם כמעט כולם בירושלים. במשרד החינוך מדגישים כי למעט בבירה, בשאר רחבי הארץ, לא זוהו מקרי התפרצות משמעותיים.
חודש בדיוק לתאריך היעד של ראש הממשלה לסיפוח, השר איציק שמולי ממפלגת העבודה העביר אצל אמיר איבגי, נתנגד להצעת הסיפוח שתגיע לממשלה. סיפוח חד צדדי עומד בניגוד מוחלט לאינטרס הלאומי שלנו בטווח הקצר. הוא עלול להציג פה תבערה גדולה. לפי ההסכמים הקואליציוניים יש זכות להביא הצעה לממשלה, אבל עליה לעמוד בשורה של קריטריונים, בוודאי שבסד הזמנים הזה אין סיכוי לעמוד בזה. וחברת הכנסת איילת שקד מימינה אמרה בתגובה, אנחנו מצפים שנתניהו יעמוד בהבטחתו. מתברר שמי שנותן את הטון בממשלה הנוכחית הם אנשי הפלג הקיצוני של מפלגת העבודה, שגוררים את הליכוד הרחק למחוזות השמאל. נתניהו התחייב לריבונות ביולי. אנחנו רוצים לראות שזה קורה עם מפה מתוקנת ובלי הקפאת התיישבות. מדבריה של שקד אביה כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. צעיר בשנות ה-20 לחייו טבע למוות בחוף הים בתל אביב. צוות מד"א משה אותו מהמים ללא רוח חיים וקבע את מותו. מאות כבאים הפגינו הבוקר בירושלים במחאה על מה שהם מגדירים ההתנהלות הכוחנית של הנהלת מערך הכבאות. יושב ראש ההסתדרות ארנון בר דוד תקף ביומן הצהריים נציב כבאות ראשי דדי שמחי מתנהל בשחצנות. מעולם הכבאות במדינת ישראל לא הייתה במצב כל כך גרוע ביחסי עבודה. בחודשים האחרונים קיימתי שיח עם נציב הכבאות כדי לנסות לראות איך אפשר להרגיע את הרוחות. היכולת שלו להוביל לעימותים כל הזמן מול העובדים שלו. אין לי מעסיק אחד במדינת ישראל. שמתייחס כל כך בשחצנות אל העובדים שלו. זו התוצאה, מי שזורע את השחצנות הזאת, זה מה שהוא מקבל. שרי האוצר והתיירות סיכמו על סיוע בגובה 300 מיליון שקלים לענף התיירות והמלונאות. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי. הסיכום עלה בסוף פגישת שר האוצר ישראל כץ ושר התיירות אסף זמיר, נוכח ירידה של עשרות אחוזים בתפוסת בתי המלון. משבר הקורונה עצר את כניסת התיירים לישראל כבר מחודש מרס, וההנחה היא שיעברו חודשים ארוכים עד להתאוששות חלקית של תיירות החוץ. מטרת הסיוע בסך 300 מיליון שקלים, לחזק את התיירות המקומית. מזג האוויר למחר, עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות ויעשה חם מהרגיל לעונה לקראת הצהריים. אוויר קריר יותר ולח יחדור לעזורנו. הרוחות תתחזקנה וייתכן אובך בעיקר בדרום הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
something that I dream To walk through our sacred land and to rightly in peace Doesn't matter where I am, you're always on my mind Forever intertwined <laughs>
J.M. and the A.M., brand new microphone and all. That's right. Hope you hear the difference. Not sure if you do, but I certainly do. Lo Nafsik, done by Avi Peretz. You're at Omek HaDover on Ashrenu. Lo Yanum was Miami Mizrach. Yaakov Shweki with Tain Lo and Tfilat Kala. And the Shalshelis Jr. opened up the hour with Ten Liad. Monday morning, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is going to join us coming up. The book is called Our Man in Jerusalem. He'll join us in a few minutes right here at J.M. and the A.M. It's Monday on this 1st of June, the 9th of Sivan. Uh, we hope and pray, we pray for the uh, government officials and police forces in this country to restore order. We pray that they're able, with um, tremendous tenacity, strength, and common sense, to be able to restore order and maybe start the process of comforting and helping to rebuild uh, the lives of the store owners and the victims who have been uh, victimized during these demonstrations, protests, violent riots, and murders that have happened across the country. We pray for our government leaders to um, quell the violence and to restore order as soon as possible. I think the, the wait has been too long, and now it has to be done as soon as possible so the, the United States and the world, frankly, can rebound from everything that has happened over the last few months and, of course, specifically over the last week. 
Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebner Beosov Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Beosov Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Talmud tells us in Gitten, our rabbis taught that Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania once went to the great city of Rome. He was told that there was a child, beautiful face and eyes. His locks were arranged in curls, and he was in prison. Rabbi Yeshua stood at the door of the prison and he cried out, Yaakov, Who gave Yaakov for spoil in B'nai Yisrael to those that are despising them, robbers? The child answered, It is not Hashem. It is he against whom we have sinned and in whose ways they would not walk. They did not heed his Torah. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah was so impressed that in response to the young boy, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah said, I am sure that this one will become a great leader in Klal Yisrael. I swear that I will not move from here until I ransom him. I don't care what the price is. Not long passed before the great Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha became a leader in Klal Yisrael. We know that Rabbi Yeshua did give a very high ransom and the child became a great Talmud Chacham. The Briska Rav asked the question, What greatness did Rabbi Yeshua see in this boy? He merely answered Rabbi Yeshua with a pasuk from Yeshayu Navi, the prophet Isaiah. The Briska Rav says that the truth is, the child's insight is what astonished Rabbi Yeshua. Earlier in the Talmud, there was an explanation of the events that led up to the fall of Yerushalayim, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. When the Romans lay siege to Yerushalayim, sufficient grain had been stored to sustain the inhabitants of the city. But the Biryonim, those that were strong, were eager to start fighting with the Romans. They burned down their garneries and they created a severe famine in the city. Following the Chorben Beis HaMikdosh, there were different reasons that were attributed to the tragic event. But this young boy, who was sitting in prison, understood there is no happenstance in our lives. Just as the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh was directed by Hashem, so too there is no affliction without the presence of chet, sin. Whenever Yeshua saw it, that the child comprehended the principle of reward and punishment, the reason why the unfortunate events had transpired, he knew that this boy was destined to be a leader in Klal Yisrael. Someone who doesn't recognize that all comes about in this world is from divine providence. He believes it's coincidence. That person can never achieve a high spiritual standing in Klal Yisrael. But we who are maminim b'nei maminim. We believe, and we're the sons and daughters of believers. We know that all comes from Hashem. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים צוררים קשים שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר וניצח. מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק, אימפיריות כה גדולות, כמעט שנעלמו, ואנחנו עוד כאן. כך אלפי שנים, מעטים מורבים, ואין ספושר ניסים. עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד J.M. in the A.M. Simcholiner. Navor Gametze. Well, let's hope. Let's hope, Navor Gametze. Um, we take this opportunity again to, um, to pray together for the leaders, the government officials, the police forces, those who till this point have not been able to... Uh, to quell the uh, the riots and the violence 
and to stop those out there who um, who are displaying violent behavior from destroying people's lives and businesses. So far, they have not been successful in doing that. With all the strategies and all the nights that it's happened and all the warnings and all the tear gas and all the strategies, nothing has worked, it seems. We pray to the one above that our government officials and police forces are able to combine strategy and common sense in getting this finished with immediately, immediately, and that people could start repairing their lives, those who's, uh, who've suffered losses and those who have seen their businesses completely destroyed. So we pray that, uh, in fact, that, um, that that will happen and happen soon. Uh, I want to thank those who have been uh, donating over the weekend to our fundraiser. Don't forget that uh, you could join our fundraiser at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. I want to thank listener Arthur, sent in a beautiful donation yesterday. I want to thank listener Sina and her family, who made quite a commitment yesterday. I want to thank listener Mendy. I want to thank all of our listeners who have come through. If you want to join the uh, list of uh, sponsors of our broadcast, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And later I will have more to say about the passing of uh, my Rebbe mentor and hero by Dr. Norman Lamb. Um, he was never officially my Rebbe nor officially my mentor, yet he was my Rebbe and mentor. Uh, I'll have more to say about it later on. And I think we, I, I was just speaking with someone earlier earlier this morning, I think we may have stumbled upon the best person to write his biography, which I encourage uh, to be written as soon as possible so that our children could read about what real leadership is about in our community. Bezrat Hashem, that will happen and happen soon. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. As we keep in mind the dads and grads in the month of June, go to kosherdogs.net kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a, a site-wide discount of 10% with promo code radio. kosherdogs.net. Make sure to use promo code radio. Uh, well, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is a prolific author. In fact, he's the man responsible I have to remind the audience about this. Those of you who've enjoyed the 650-page book entitled The Rebbitzin, the story of Rebbitzin Esther Jungreis, her life, her vision, her legacy, that's the, that's the product of the work of Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. We did not discuss the book with him at the time that it came out uh, because we had, Rabbi, we had Rebbitzin Jungreis' relatives on to discuss her life, you may recall. Already, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is out with another book <laughs> on the heels of that incredible bestseller, he and the folks at Shire Press, everybody at Art Scroll, uh, have re- released a brand new one. It's called Our Man in Jerusalem. Amazing stories from Rabbi Yisrael Gellis, journalist, radio personality, and 10th generation Yerushalmi. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is the author of 35 books, including the Class Acts uh, series, the I Have an Amazing Story for You series, um... 48, The Runaway Bestsellers, Incredible and Incredible 2, the much-hailed Zara Shimshon series. He's columnist for Hamodia's Indian Magazine with his true life stories beloved around the world. He's producer of Visions, an album of all English songs, the film The Edge, co-producer of The Story Experience. 
He's a popular speaker internationally, and you can check out his website, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. The book is called Our Man in Jerusalem. Rabbi Seltzer, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's a pleasure to be back. I mean, <laughs> to, to say you're working on one book after another may not be an apt description. That, that may not be fair for the system that you've implemented in terms of writing and releasing books. Baruch Hashem. What can I say? And this, by the way which I discovered, I literally got the book last night, so you'll excuse me if I didn't read every page, but I did get through hundreds of them. Um, uh, th- this book is an inspiration, both both practically and, I guess would, one would say, you know, uh, philosophically, from the work you did about the life of Rebbets and Jungreis. Tell us about that. So I, they sent me to, I met with Rabbi Gertzelin and his, and his wife, the Rebbets' daughter, right. in the Ramada, and that was the beginning of the project. After Rabbi Zlatowicz reached out to me, and they, we made the Shadach, and they were here for Yachikala, because Rabbi Gertzelin was VP of Agudas Yisrael for many, many years. He ran a big man at Agudas Yisrael. So I'm sitting with them at the Ramada, and, uh, you know, they, they gave me a whole list of people that I needed to speak to in Eretz Yisrael before I flew into America to, to, to do the interviews. And uh, one of these people is Rabbi Yisrael Gellis, right? And so Yisrael Gellis is a I, I actually met him a few times. I did not remember it. The years it was years before. And I come into his house. He lives in, in Ezra's Torah. Right? You shall me, sweet you shall me, it. <laughs> Your top floor of Ezra's Torah building. Simple apartment. And I'm sitting with this person. I'm talking to him, and he's telling me the most incredible stories about Rabbits and Young Rice. And you have a view out of his window of Yushalayim, like unbelievable, remote. You know, really just an amazing situation going on. And I'm thinking to myself, as he's talking, I'm thinking, this man, I come, I'm coming here to interview him for, about Rebbe the Young Rise, but this man, he has his own book. So you're the ones who alerted the publisher that you've got a new book in, in the making. It was, I, I'll tell you what I mean. I, as I'm leaving the house, so I, I, I said to him, listen, I got to tell you, you are a book. There's no way. There's, there's so much to say about Yushalayim and things that nobody knows, neighbors that, like, think, I'll give you two examples of what I mean, but before I tell you this, like he, I said to him, I want to do, I want to write a book with you. And he says to me, uh, let me show you something. And he opens up his closet. Right, okay. What, this, I, I, know, what? I know this story you're about to tell, but I got to ask you. No, no, one bag. second, one second. Hold on to that story for a second, because I want to ask you first, was his, yeah. was his relationship with Robinson Youngrice a, a practical one where he literally, I don't know, helped her with speaking engagements. Forty years, he he was her right hand man in Israel. That's it. So it was. So it wasn't just that they had that there were great mices together, but it was it was that he actually helped her uh, bring Hinedi to Israel and and bring her her lectures and presentations to Israel. His, his father was in charge of the Torani Tarbut section of Yushalayim, of the Iriad Yushalayim, the municipality, and Rabbi and Rabbi Gellis, He convinced his father that he should give this lady a chance. So Miguel's his father's like, who is this lady coming from America to speak in Israel? Right. Nobody does that. Right. But he said, this lady, is, you got to give this lady a chance. And they booked their events. And his father got a kick out of booking Beta Am for this from lady to speak to people who thought she was a singer. And <laughs> it developed through this 40, 40-year-old relationship where he took her around the country, flew with her in helicopter to army bases, he really was a right-hand man. He told his stories about going around in the middle of the night, 
putting up posters and, and the cops stopping them and how the Rebbitson convinced the cops to, like, you know, put the, help her put up the posters. It's just crazy stuff. <laughs> Unbelievable. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer's with us. The book is called Our Man in Jerusalem. Okay, so before you decide to, to say there's going to be a book for sure, tell us the story. Go ahead. So, okay, so I'm standing in the entrance to his house, and he pulls out this little ticky line, little rectangular, little, little backpack, but it's like a little square backpack that you could carry. And he says to me, hold it in your hand. And so I hold it. It's heavy. He says, what do you think's in here? I say, it feels like rock. He says, he opens it up. He says, one rock, he says, one stone. And he pulls out this round stone. And he says, do you know what this is? And I say, I do not. He says, this is a rock that the Romans shot, catapult. You know, we always grew up hearing about the catapults. The Romans shot yep. stones at the walls of the Mikdash, Right. Right? This is the stone that the Romans shot at the wall of the Beit HaMikdash. <laughs> so I'm like, Abisral, how on earth you have a stone from the Beit HaMikdash? Can you imagine? Oh, imagine you are, you meet a guy and he pulls out a stone from the Beit HaMikdash and you're holding 2,000 years of history in your hand. And by the way, not only does he have it, it's authenticated. Go ahead. It's authenticated. So I say, how do you have this? He says, I'll tell you. After 1967, Teddy Kalik, the mayor of gave a lot of money to the archaeologists to do digging around the walls. Right. And they uncover many of these rocks. But most of them were broken because they hit the base of the English wall and they cracked. Right. But this one was, was full. So they was, it was complete. It wasn't broken. And they wanted to give Teddy Kalik a present. So they gave him this rock, this stone, and a special stand to put it on. And they brought it to him in his office. And it was authenticated. Now, one day, Teddy Kalik calls the Israel, Rabbi Saul's father, and he says to him, Rabbi Yaakov, he says, you're the only Haredi guy I like. <laughs> so I want to give this to you. I'm a, I'm a guy who gets angry at people. I know I'm going to throw this rock at somebody. <laughs> so I want to give it to you. <laughs> you take it. I don't want it. And he gives it, to, he gives it to him with a letter authenticating and a letter saying that I'm giving it to you. So nobody should say I took it right. you know, without permission. Right. And he has this thing in his house. But he has so many different things in his house. I was going to give an example. Oh, Rabbi. You, oh, there you are. I thought, I thought we lost you for a second. By the way, I would argue that it is worth the price of the book just to see the picture on page 15 of that stone, Frank. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with you. I want to tell you something. He, this man, I walked with him. Me and my wife went over a little, a little tour of Yushalayim to different neighborhoods. That, you know, people don't know. You don't go to these neighborhoods. These are like, but they this and but they that, hidden on the sides of little narrow alleyways. Okay? And... He says to me, if you, if, Nachum, she's been there so many times, I actually met with you in Eretz Yisrael, if you remember. Mm-hmm. We met. So, yep. if you go from Strauss, from Bika Cholom Hospital, and you walk down towards Kika Shabbos, right. on Strauss, mm-hmm. on your left side, you see a mosque. Do you remember that? Yes, I sure do. Okay, and I see, yes, I wondered, as a bocher, why is there a mosque in the middle of Gula? I always wondered about that. Rabbi Gels took me there, and he says to me, this mosque is called Nebi Uchsha, okay? Right next to the mosque, there's a, there's a burial place of three of Mohammed's, his nephew, and of two of his Talmudim. And that is why the street is called Rechov Anavim. It's not after Jewish prophets. It's after right. Mohammed's nephew and his, and his Talmudim. Right. And he said this place, according to the legends, when he, he has the sources, is the place called Karta the Pisco, where Mashiach is going to come from. So there's a mosque there, right in the middle of Geula, which legend has it is the place where Mashiach is going to come from. And that's when the Mekubalim stand, when there's a real tsar in Eretz Yisrael, 
And that's where the Iraq war, they got word, word the Iraq war ended over there. Man. They got word. They, they, it's crazy stuff. And he, he knows it all firsthand. By the way, th- there are a million angles, and, and you know I could speak to you about this for two, three hours or more. There's so many angles to discuss regarding this man and this book. For, first of all, I, I honestly, you know, I mean, I know a lot of the players. I know a lot of the people or have heard of, uh, or, or my father, frankly, knew a lot of the people in this book. I mean, every time you bring up anybody, you know, in the first half of this book, which deals a lot with the Kotel and with Yerushalayim and the old city, et cetera, Meir Sharim, I mean, you know, I've heard of every one of these personalities. And we've, you know, it was just Yom Yerushalayim. We just told the story of, of Rav Goren and Kevarachal and Rav Goren and the city of Hebron and Marat Pela. But you know, we never we never know who the who the second wave of people was, and who the secondary expert. You know, we knew that the Nazir and and um, uh, uh, Rav David Cohen and um, knew I forgot already uh, who the other rabbi was that they ran to get to to bring to uh, uh, to the Kotel. The second, you know, the Rav Goren said, "Go bring them now." The second that the uh, that the army had the coat off. But we don't think of, you know, the, the, the next line of great Torah giants that, you know, hours later were at the coat And it, it's just funny to me with all these stories and all the things I've been told and the people in my family. My father's buried in Sanhedria because of Ari Levine's bar- buried in Sanhedria. He wanted to be near the man that he watched growing up in, in Yerushalayim. You know, I know Benji Levine really well, but I've never heard of the Gellis family. How is it possible, Rabbi Seltzer, with all these? My father's my father's best friend was, was Yaakov Herzog. It was his best friend in Israel. He's, he's mentioned in the first few pages of your book. It's amazing to me that it took your book for me and, and our family to learn about the incredible Yerushalmim, the, the Gellis family. And by the way, one point before you respond to that. You just mentioned about the mosque, etc. I, I I don't know if it's fair to say this across the board, and you've you've spoken to and you've interviewed and you've written about many people, so you may disagree with me, but it's it's I don't think it's a coincidence that we find somebody who's able to make things happen and someone who's there for the Jewish world and someone who pulls off so incredible episodes for the for the Jewish world, and and they had this. Uh, its ability to reach out to other peoples. They had this ability to have a relationship uh, at that time with, with Arabs in Yerushalayim, and of course, you know, if you read the book further, with government officials and people who were in Iraq and Jordan, etc., etc., etc. Is that a coincidence, or is it fair to say that when someone reaches that level, one of the things they've done is forge relationships with people of all backgrounds? You're making a very good point, because you shall meet First of all, just to respond to what you said before, um, it's interesting that you don't know him because he's a radio personality. Right, that's another thing. He's like he does. He's done what like what you do for many many years. He had one of the most popular radio shows called Malava Malka on Kol Yisrael for many many years. He was like very. He's very famous in Israel, and he's like he's called the man from Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, it's true. It's like a, it's a chiddush that you that you never cross paths I, with. I, I agree with you, unless I have and uh, I don't realize. <laughs> but he's like he, he, another thing is like he he doesn't make a thing out of himself. He's very unassuming, right? And that's so. In response to what you said about you, shamanim have an ability to relate to everyone, and that's that's a very unique thing that you shalim have. And when Shach called Abgelis when he started Yatad Neman. 
he called him and he asked him to be the original editor, together with Ramosh Aguilak, who's today with Mishbach magazine. Right. He started with Yated Naman. And Rav Shach said to him, you're a Yerushalmi, he said, and you're a Chevroner. The guys over here are B'nai Brakas and they're Ponovichers. It's not going to be easy for you guys to get along, he said. But I know I could trust Gellis. I know I could trust him. Interesting. And he was Saimachan. He worked there for a number of years. He started off Yated Naman. But he had the Yerushalmi, that Yerushalmi special ability to, do, to, to connect to every, to every person. And, and, of, and, and what comes to mind as you're saying this? Rav Grossman is from Yerushalayim. As you're saying this, Rav, I'm saying to myself. Yeah, right, exactly, Rav Grossman. Okay, you, you, we'll see about Rav Grossman. We'll speak, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by that, but okay. Am I not right that he's from Yerushalayim? Yeah, he, no, well, he is from Yerushalayim. Yeah. Originally, his family is from Yerushalayim. Right. Well, he's now in Migdala Amit for right, many, many years. Right. right, but he's definitely a Yerushalmi Jew. The Yerushalmi people, they have a special, unique ability. Listen, they need it. They've been going around the world collecting tzedakah for, for you know, generations. Right. They need to have that ability to be able to connect to people. Right. You but... know, Rabbi Gellis jokes around with me. He said, how, how come the, 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 the lion, which is the symbol of Yerushalayim, you see him with his paw outstretched, he said. Because that's the symbol of Jerusalem. <laughs> Very good. I like that. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is with us. The book is called Our Man in Jerusalem. But also, a drop further on that, and that is that it, it, the, the ability to, to you know, have a respectful relationship uh, with people from other countries and people from other backgrounds. Because I'm not just talking about people who go to Chutzlaretz from Yerushalayim and are asking fellow Jews for money. That's not my point. My point is more, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you reach out to others of all backgrounds, of all religious stripes, you know, with, with respect. And you reach out to them, you know, in a proper manner. And some of the stories that you tell in here that are obviously, you know, his true stories are just remarkable and, and you could trace them, trace most of them, if not all of them, back to this ability to communicate with people properly, no matter where they come from. Yes, no question about it. He, he, but he is a particularly unique individual. Right. He's, I mean, the fact that he was so close to Shlomo Kabach, the fact that he was so close to the Rosh Shivas of Hebron, he right. was so close to just this huge, wide gamut of people, and just everyone loves him. And, all, these and all the government officials. All the government officials. Government officials. I mean, from Teddy Kollek to Shishkin to, to, to everybody. Right, right. He told me, he, it just, I was sitting with him in his house, and he said to me, I have this bottle of wine, he told me, that was from a, from a winery in, in Bay Sisral, that when they closed it, and they found an underground tank full of like wine from 100-something years ago, he told me. And he pulls out this bottle of wine that was, that Trumas and Meister was taken by Shmuel Salant, Okay. It's 120 years old, this bottle of wine. Wow. And we had a Lechayim together with a bottle of wine from 120 years ago. It was the most delicious wine I ever had. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, he, um, he and his family, I mean, to be fair, he and his father, uh, a tremendous knowledge of physical Jerusalem. I mean, there, there's one story you have in here where they were going to do construction in Israel, in Yerushalayim, and, you know, the family knew that there were uh, that there were victims, I assume, from the 1967 war, right? The victims of the 1967 war. The that cholera. Were... It was the p- pandemic. Oh, ma- I'm sorry. I'm confusing stories. We're going right. back. That's 1918, right? That was 1918. Right. Pandemic, and they put people, they buried them inside the, the wells. Right. They're in the cistern and, cistern, and and this is literally something we could relate to. That chapter, you should know, really hit home because of the pandemic that we're going through now and, and the inability to you know have proper 
uh, or I shouldn't say proper, the inability to have funerals and burials the way we're used to, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, and, right. and sure enough, same thing there. And this, this, this information went ahead and was, and was handed down, right? Handed down father to son. And, and they knew that this was a, uh, that this was a concern that if anybody would ever go ahead and construct or try to destruct that area, there would right, be, they have to clean it up. Right, right. There would be bodies that had right. to be taken care of. Which is and un- what about the cave? The cave in Harazesa and all the bodies inside. Right. Same. Tons of bodies inside that they put in when they got sick and died. They right. put them into that cave. Same yeah. thing. Same thing. Same situation. And all and, of, you know, and, when you walk in Yerushalayim, Nachum, you, you never dream of what's going on beneath the surface. It's like you see Yerushalayim, right. and then you walk with Rabbi Gellis to Yerushalayim, and it's like, it's like a whole different city. Right. And by the way, that's why you, know, you, you talk about times making the man, men making the times. In this case, there's a little bit of the place making the man. It's not just the man, you know, it's also because, this, you, like you just described, you walk every block of Yushalayim, old city, new city, everywhere, has something that, you know, it's like they say about baseball games, every time you go, something happens you've never seen before. So <laughs> it's like every time you go through Yushalayim, you know, you, you're, you are seeing or hearing something that you've never, you, you never believe actually happened. Uh, and that really is, you know, is part of his story. I don't know if our man in Jerusalem would be our man in Jerusalem if not for the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have been our man in Benebrak if he grew up in Benebrak. Right, yeah. very true. Very he grew true. up with the Shalom Swadron. Right. I don't know if you saw the pictures of Shalom made, sure. made a shidduch, yeah. dancing with him at this chasana, you know? Yeah, pretty amazing. The Magid of Yerushalayim. Great stuff. He told me when, when after the Six-Day War, so there was a mosque on the border of Meir Sharm and Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, right. and they were blasting every night. They were waking up the neighborhood. So he told me he climbed in one night. He was a bucker. He climbed up to the top, and he changed the, he changed the tape. He took out the Al-Akbar tape and put in a cape of Kalbach. <laughs> the next morning, it comes on, Kalbach singing. And the, 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 the Muslims thought that, this, that, that, that it was haunted. And they closed it. It's locked till today. It's locked. Because they thought it was haunted by Kalbach. Unbelievable. And by the way, what I mentioned at the beginning, second ones to Kevin Rachel, second ones to the Kotel, etc. All that is true. Those are real stories. Where He's riding down the Via de la Rosa in a command car with his father. And based on the way he looks, I'm sure his father also looked like a rabbi, right? Yeah, definitely. He saw the strangle of his father yeah. in the book. Yeah. Unbelievable people. <laughs> but they're unassuming. That's what makes them even more special that they don't think of themselves as special. They're just people who do great things, but they don't make a big deal out of themselves. Our man in Jerusalem, tell us the story about this Sifrei Torah in Iraq. Oh, that's a crazy story. So he gets, he gets the message that there's these, these Sifrei Torahs, and they had to smuggle them out. The Mossad smuggled these Sifrei Torah out of, out of Iraq into Jordan. And he's in Jordan on a business deal. He thought to himself to go down to Jordan and make some suits, to make suits for Hasidim in Jordan. And he goes down to Jordan, to the city where there's like a crossroads, where people come from all different Arab countries. And he's there talking, he's, he's making this deal, right? He's, the guy brings him a suit, he says, come back tomorrow, he'll try it on. He comes back the next day, he loves the suit, he wants to close the deal. Then the guy says, I want to show you something. And he shows him a piece of a Torah scroll that was cut up. And basically... Gela says to Rabbi Saul, says to him, I can't believe you would cut up a Sefer Torah. I can't do business with a person who would cut up a Sefer Torah, a person who wouldn't have respect for someone else's religion. Mm-hmm. Again, this is him talking to an Arab, but they say, like a person. Right. How could you do such a thing? I can't do business with a person like that. But from there, they end up tracing 400 Sefer Torah 
in Iraq that were taken out of shuls and that uh, Saddam Hussein's brother-in-law tried to steal, and the Mossad smuggled them out of Iraq in tires of, of trucks, and they end up coming back to Israel. And Rabbi Gellis takes some of these Sifat Torah and gives them out to different shuls because they're Iraqi Sifat Torah, to different shuls, a lot of them up north, to the Moshavim that Iraqi Jews live in. And he brings the Sefer Torah to Rabbi Yashiv to check. And Rabbi Yashiv, like, he's very, he's just, he, he, to him, he was looking at the halachic. What interested Rabbi Yashiv was the halachic aspect of the Sefer Torah, meaning correlating the differences between how it was written halachically. And he brought to a few different gedolim, and he brought to Rabbi Yashiv the Sefer Torah. Now, Rabbi Yashiv comes from Baghdad. So he was overcome. This is his great-grandfather's Sefer Torah. Very emotional. He recognized it. And he says, I need to see the Sefer Torah. And Rabbi Geller says, I can't show them to you. They're in the Mossad, the shul in Mossad headquarters, in the Kiryat. He says, he grabs his hand. He says, you're not leaving here. You have two <laughs> hands. One hand I'm grabbing. The other hand, you make the phone call right now. Call whoever you need to call, because I'm going to Mossad headquarters. He calls. He makes the call. They get permission. And he tells me, we get in this van, and we drive to, to the Kiryat. We get to the Mossad headquarters. They go into the building in the van. There's an elevator that takes them down into the ground in the van. And they come out at the Mossad Shul. And Ramon Echaliyo is able to look at the Sefer Torah to his, heart, his heart's, you know, desire. And he says there are many, many artifacts in Judaica and this shul from many countries around the world, places where Israelis are not allowed to go. And the Mossad, you know, brought home beautiful little things all over their trips, and the shul is full of beautiful mementos from the journeys of Mossad agents around many different countries. Amazing. And obviously he was very familiar with people in the Mossad, both from that episode and others. He's familiar with, again, these, these people are hooked up with everyone. They, they've been around. They know yeah, everyone. But also you, yeah. have, you have to remember that because of his knowledge of Arabic, he actually ends up being a member of the intelligence department of the IDF, which is, again, strange, strange for someone dressed like him, but certainly helps him in terms of getting to know a lot of important people in those positions. Correct. And uh, what about the fact that he was very close friends with Yassila? Right. Schumacher. Right. I mean, what, what about that? And he gets reunited with him when they're both in the army. They go to the Dumiluim, and they get reunited together. That's pretty like amazing. Like, what are the chances, right? <laughs> That's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. No such thing as coincidence, right? As long as you put in your Hishtadlis. You know, you know Shmuel Blitz? Yeah, sure. Shmuel Blitz says to me, I got to tell you, Abigailus, he reminds me of, a, like, a from version of Forrest Gump, he says. <laughs> right, very good, very good, yes. In the right place at the right time, and innocently <laughs> everything happens around you. Right, that's what it seems like. Not to take away credit from him, but uh, he does have a little about it, about of that in him. That's for sure. Unbelievable. Um, the Gera Rebbe has a Haggadah that saved his life. Right? Is that the, would that be the right way of putting it's, it? The Gera Rebbe has a has a Haggadah that saves the soldier's life. The soldier's There's, life, right? The soldier's the, life. The soldier, the soldier. The soldier comes to to the ha home of the Gera Rebbe. Correct. Right. Right. And then this, and then he uses his radio show. To, make, to, to reunite the Agada back with the family after the Gera Rebbe wants his Agada back, right. but then he gives it back to the family because that was what was keeping them from. Right. Then there's a story of, um, and again, you have to you remind me how this relates to his family, but there's a story of, uh, of those who are uh, traveling, as you described, uh, outside of Israel to raise money. Uh, they are pomegranate growers in Israel, and they happen to bring a pomegranate with them on the road, right? 
And they, that's his grandfather. That's his grandfather, and he ends up saving the life of the Prince of Turkey. Was am I correct? Getting, am I getting this right? You're how, getting it right. How, and the how, tree, the how, picture of the tree is the is, is that was their tree. And, that's the, and he saves his life because there is a Jew in the town in Turkey who knows that the Jewish community has been threatened that if the prince dies, the Jews are going to pay the price for it when the prince gets sick. And he has a dream that leads to him asking these visitors, are you from Yerushalayim? And is there a possibility that you have a pomegranate? Because I I had a dream that if we feed that pomegranate juice to the prince, he will survive. And sure enough, within minutes of giving it to the prince, he was back on his feet. And that's his grandfather. That's his grandfather. (laughs) And what about the fact that his other grandfather comes from Syria to Eretz Yisrael, walks into the Chorva, and ends up being that famous story where Shmuel Salant says, whoever's willing to marry this girl that is the Chassan left, I'll give them a Rikas Yaman. That's his grandfather. Right, a story that honestly I never believed until I saw it in writing in your book. And that was, and he was 14 years old when he came. He forward. was 14 years old, and he marries a little girl who's 12 years old. And she, he would come home from learning, and she would be on the floor playing kugelach with her friends. Right. And they would say to her, "Yeah, your husband just came home." She'd say, "One second, I have to finish my turn." Right, right. <laughs> and that was all not to embarrass the kala who was standing under her chuppah. That's right. He walks off the train, goes to the chorva. Sees what's going on, reaches into his pocket, takes out a few coins, and says, Hariyat, because that's just to her. And marries on the spot and raises children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, a huge family in Yerushalayim. By the way, I also owe you, I, I, you know, again, I, <laughs> watch, we'll find out that I actually met Rabbi Gillis at some point. You know, my, my memory is under such scrutiny uh, that I don't know so many stories if I knew them or not. Uh, the story of Rav Moshe Segal, no relation. Uh, is remarkable that he, you know, everyone thought he was the one who blew the chauffeur against the wishes, right. against the, law, the the British mandate law. Unbelievable at the story. Co- at the, Unbelievable. At the Kota, and the reality is they, they, they said do not ask him to blow the chauffeur again because they didn't want him to be embarrassed. Why? Because he really was not about okay, and he simply m- made believe he was the one blowing the chauffeur so that he mm-hmm. can buy time for the guy really blowing the chauffeur on the other side of the Kota, meaning the other area of the Kota, uh, so that he could blow it, you know, longer, and then and then run, you know, from the authorities. I never knew that. Right, right. I knew I, so I, many things. I knew that... the name of Moshe Segal for you know for fifty years. I never knew that part of the story. Right. There's so many, so many things in this book that people are going to be like, really, wow. I knew that, but I didn't know that. And it's like yeah. it's. I look at this as like something which. It's information that Kleisrol needs. By the we way, need to know all this stuff. By the way, Rabbi Seltzer, you know, we're going to give away the whole book here if I'm not careful. <laughs> I don't want Rabbi Zlatowitz to be upset. Uh, <laughs> but 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 I'm telling everyone now: if you buy this book, you will find out how notes got into the Kotel when uh-huh. when when Jews were not allowed to go to the Kotel. That would be the right. They know more. That would they be, know more. That would be the right tease, right? That would be the right way to tease. That's it. a great. Don't you will, no more. You will find out how notes got into the actual Kotel. I'm talking about in the wall. I'm not talking about near it. How notes got into the wall when Jews were not allowed to go to the wall. And I'll just give you a hint. It's not because they paid somebody off to bring the notes to the Kotel. That's not, that's not what happened. Uh, what can I say, Rabbi Seltzer? It just is a real eye-opener. I mean, you're talking about incredible stories of Hashkacha Pratis, incredible stories of... Uh, of being there and doing things for the Jewish world uh, by, again, somebody who I agree with you, we can call an understated individual, somebody who keeps most of this, I would think, 
to himself outside of the sessions he had with you. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer's book is called Our Man in Jerusalem, Amazing Stories from Rabbi Yisrael Gellis, journalist, radio personality, and 10th generation Yerushalmi. By the way, does it make your life a lot easier when dealing with a great storyteller? In other words, you know, your writing is, is you know, world-renowned, but when you're hearing the stories from someone who tells it well, and I get the feeling that he is a great storyteller, does it make your life a lot easier? Much easier, of course. He knows how to say the story. He puts it down. I'm doing a book. I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing just now, right now, writing another project with somebody who's also a fantastic uh, storyteller. And it definitely, it's like, it just, it, it, yeah, 100% makes my life much, much easier. Because they know how to, they say the story in the order. They know what they want, the points they want to make. Yeah. You, you, Malcolm, you're familiar with uh, Arucheva, right? Sure. Oh, I love that. I want to, you know why I love that story right away? <laughs> There's a story, folks, where Arucheva, which of course was on a, a boat in the ocean, and, and they actually shuttled people by tugboat out, or by rowboat, whatever it was, out to the, uh, to the main place to do their shows. That's where, how it started. And, um, and when he tells the story of falling in the water because of, you know, the, the attempt to get out there, and, and it reminded me not only of the show Must Go On, but it reminded me of the days when I would sleep during blizzards in the radio station to make sure to be on the air at 6 a.m. when everybody else couldn't move in New York and New Jersey. That's, that was one of the stories I absolutely could relate to and loved in the world of radio. <laughs> You know what? I want him to be on your show. I'd love you it. Have him on your I'd show. I'd love it. I gotta meet him. I gotta meet him. I gotta have dinner with him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, speaks Hebrew only. Well, in Arabic, I gotta brush up on my Arabic, I guess. Well, you gotta brush up. But he doesn't speak English. Would you have a guy on your show who only speaks Hebrew? I doubt it. But maybe we could do something, uh, you know, outside of this show and do a special that we would, uh, you know, make available to people. That would be amazing. That but would be very special. That, because the, the I best think you you would hit it off with him. Yeah, the, time. the best way to well, I'm telling you, just going through the people. You know, like he talks about River Fall. I mean, River Fall and my father were so close. And, you know, I, I mean, there's there, and when he just when he mentioned Yaakov Herzog, who, again, one of the most understated um, people who had something to do with Israeli government in Israel's history, uh, who, who, frankly, you know, if he wouldn't have died so young, could have been, you know, prime minister of Israel and would have been an incredible prime minister. Uh, just, mm-hmm. just when he mentions him, you know, it's so meaningful to me because of the stories I've heard from my father about personalities like mm-hmm. this. Um, so yes, not only would I, I'd love to meet him, and I think if we do a conversation like that, it should be in person, hopefully in Israel soon, because as you know, travel to Israel now is a little bit uh, dicey, as not they say. It's so tricky, yeah. Uh, Rabbi yeah. Seltzer, before I let you go, and I know I've taken a lot of your time, um, I, I need to know, because I, I discussed this, of course, with the Gertzlins when they were on the air. You yeah. know, for me, for me, one of the reasons, or, or a couple of the reasons why the book about Rabbi and Young Rice was so meaningful is because, um, number one, because I had sisters— uh, but I think it would be like that for families without girls as well. There wasn't a Friday night in my home growing up where Ebbets and Jung Rice's name was not mentioned because of something she had written or done uh, around the time of, of the Felt Forum, Madison Square Garden, around that time. I mean, you know, it was like, you know, it was the it was like everyone today speaking about the upcoming CMA shots. You know, for three months, do you have tickets? Did you decide if you're sitting inside or outside? You know, in that era, it was all, you know, what's Robertson Young Rice doing? And, you know, so I, I, again, I don't know how old you are, so I may not have had that. I'm for, I, my birthday today, Nachum. I'm 42. Mazel tov. <laughs> Happy birthday. So, Thank so, you. So it may be a little different for you. So I'm curious. You know, so when I heard about this book, meaning the Robertson Young Rice book, 
to me, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read all this, and this is what happened, and it took me back to that era. Oh, here, you know, when I was eight years old, here's what was really happening, you know, behind the scenes with the Rebbitz and Young Grices. I was hearing all this at my Shabbos table. For you, was it impactful like that? Did you have a youth where her name meant something? So first of all, in my family, we had the Jewish press every single week in my house, and my mother read the Rebbitz's viewpoint also. That's number one, and uh, I definitely grew up hearing the name Rebbitz and Young Grice. I don't think I ever met her. Like, I didn't, I, it could be as a child, but I don't think I've met her. I came to know her very, very, very well through all the interviews and through all the books and through all the videos and watching her speak. Um, and, and you mentioned the Fell Forum, and to me, something that when throughout the interviewing process, I kept on asking people in America, how did she become close to George W. Bush? Right. But something that kept on, it was one of these questions I had. How? And finally, I meet a person in Manhattan who tells me the whole story of how she ended up meeting the president. And that led to, if you think about it, closure to the Felt Forum event because President Bush asked the Revitan to give the invocation at the Republican National Convention. Right! And she oh stands my up, gosh. but not at the Felt Forum, at, at the, the huge, garden. The huge sit. Right. And she gives that invocation and she gets a standing ovation. Right. Can you imagine how she was feeling when she got up and she did that in front of the whole America? It was like, in 73, she's doing this. 73, she's speaking to 5,000 people. And now, you know, many, number, many, many years later, she's speaking to the whole world, basically. What a, what a moment in her life. Unbelievable. And if you re- I love your description of what it was like getting from zero to 5,000 for that event, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know how she slept at night during those couple of weeks. <laughs> she was scared. Let me tell I you. Know, I know. Kaya was more scared. Kaya was was a lot of, was very afraid. And she used to tell her mother, Mommy, but what if nobody comes? Wow. Listen, uh, you, you've, you've given me a lot of uh, tremendous information and enjoyment over the last couple of months, i got to tell you. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to me that you're churning out books at the rate of uh, 35 already in your young life. Pretty amazing, frankly. Uh, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Oh, boy. We've got a bunch of things. We've got a lineup going on right this second. I'm actually writing a book with there's a journalist in Israel. He's the veteran, he's the veteran journalist. He's the man who accompanied Ten prime ministers, from Levi Eshkol to Bibi Netanyahu, very close to Bibi, they grew up together in Katamon. His name is Yisrael Katzover, sure. and he writes for Hamodia, A Pair. Sure. Yep. And I'm writing a book with him. It's, it's a, unbelievable. This is a man that, that he literally accompanied every big event in Israeli history. He was in the White I'll tell you one story. This is going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. He says to me, he goes, you, as you know, the first, the first uh, uh, foreign leader that Trump invited to the White House was Bibi Netanyahu, right. President Trump. Mm-hmm. And Bibi comes. Now, you know, Bibi had a, a terrible eight years with Obama. Terrible. Right. Right. And here he's invited. The first leader is Bibi. Now, that's, that's a great start. So they get off the plane, and they, 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 you know, the vans come, and they take them to, uh, to the White House. And the beginning of the journalists are standing there, and then afterwards, uh, Trump and Bibi go into the room together for the meeting. And it's a meeting that goes off for that hour and a half. It's a nice long meeting. And when he comes out, Bibi is smiling from ear to ear. Now, a little later, they, he, he briefs the, 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 the journalists. He saw customers among them. And he says, I'm sitting with, with President Trump. And he says to me, Bibi, I know about your relationship with Barack Obama. But my question is, 
Where did it start? How, how did it start, this relationship that you had, this, bad, this like acrimonious relationship? Where did it start? I know what happened, but where did it, what was the, the moment where it started? So Bibi says, I'll tell you. They were, he, we, we, we did a lot of business together. Barack Obama gave Israel a lot of things. Security-wise, he was pretty good. But there were two things we asked for, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't give us. And John says, what were they? And Bibi says, one was a plane that would allow us to refuel long distance in mid-air. So Trump's like, ah, like you want to get to a faraway country, you need that plane, right? And Bibi laughs. And he says, what's the second thing? And Bibi says, these are great bombs. These bombs that they, they, they go down deep, deep into the earth, bunker buses, like the next generation of bunker buses. And we need those. And Barack wouldn't give it to us. So Trump says to Bibi, I don't understand. Why didn't you ask someone else in the American administration for them? Like, keep in mind, he just became president. Right. Maybe he doesn't know exactly right. how right. it works. Right. Right. And Bibi says, because the only person who has the ability to give it is the president. And then Trump says, you mean I have the ability to give it? And Bibi says, yes. And Trump jumps out of the chair, runs over to his desk, takes a piece of paper, writes on the piece of paper, blah, 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 gives this Bibi, blah, 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 and he signs Donald J. Trump. Here you go. Pretty remarkable. Bibi walks out smiling to me because he understands that after eight years, they have a real friend in the White House. Right. Pretty amazing. Is it a biography of Katzover or what? How would you it's, classify it? It's, it's like, imagine a person who, who, who was in the Yom Kippur War as, a, as a, 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 a journalist, and he was there. He almost got killed in Yom Kippur War right. down south. Correct. And imagine somebody who, who, was, who, who uh, went to Turkey, and he told me, he met. I don't know if you know this, but they, uh, in Turkey they believe Erdogan. There's a question, why did Erdogan change his... His colors. He used to be a friend of Israel. Right. What happened? Right. Some say in Turkey that Erdogan and his wife, they believe that he's a Shabzai Tzvi Jew. They follow Shabzai Tzvi's traditions, him and his wife. And that's why Turkey, he had to prove he's not that. So he turned against Israel. And, and, and Kassover went to one of those shuls. He met with the people who practiced. And there were 50,000 Jews today, not Jews, people today, who follow Shabzai Tzvi's um, derech. Very interesting. I mean, oh, this is just a tiny, right. tiny taste. The book is called The Journalist. I'm working on it now. I'm in it. It's an unbelievable book. He touches on, 50, think about 50, over 50 years of every important event, and he's there. The jur- he's there. The Journalist. We look forward to that. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, the book is called Our Man in Jerusalem, Amazing Stories from Rabbi Yisrael Gellis, journalist, radio personality, and 10th generation Yerushalmi. What might be most remarkable, by the way, he did all of this was in conversation with foreign leaders and people and connections and without knowing English, which you just revealed, which is also pretty cool when you think about it. Uh, yep. Our Man in Jerusalem, available now. Go to artscroll.com. Again, artscroll.com. It's a Shar Press release. Also, I will mention, because it is uh, proper to do so, that Rabbi Seltzer is also responsible for the Rebitzin, the story of Rebitzin Esther Jungreis, her life, her vision, her legacy. Check it out. Plus, he's got tens of other books that you may want to check out. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. And have a party, everybody. I'm telling you, you will learn a lot, and you will um, experience some incredible stories of modern Jewish history with both of these selections. Rabbi Seltzer, always a pleasure. Mazel tov on the release. Uh, please, tell Rabbi, t- please tell Rabbi Gellis we are more than impressed. <laughs> and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. A always a pleasure to be on. 
on, you know, on your show. It's always good to be back. I appreciate that. Right, Ahmed Seltzer, everybody. The book is Our Man in Jerusalem, artscroll.com. You're listening to JM in the AM. in the a.m. Yehi Shalom. Yeah, we are praying for peace, believe you me, and we pray for our government officials and our police officers uh, to have the wherewithal, the strategy, and the common sense 
to put an end to the violence and put an end to these uh, the these acts of destroying people's lives and businesses in many cities here in the United States. We continue to pray for our government officials, for our leaders in the police departments, and for everyone around the country who, again, we pray will have the wherewithal, the strategy, the common sense, the strength to put an end to the destruction that's going on, put an end to the uh, to lives that are being lost and businesses and lives, therefore, that are being destroyed in front of our very eyes. And hopefully they'll stop making excuses for those who are uh, destroying the country. Hopefully they'll stop making excuses for those who are completely destroying the country. Uh, I want to thank everybody, Seltzer. That was quite a discussion, I must say. Really a great book. Got to read it. Great book. Those of you who have any, any interest in modern Jewish history, you got to read it. Really is something. And and interest in personalities that can make a tremendous difference. Really remarkable. Uh, yesterday, of course, the passing of by Dr. Norman Lamb, someone who I called a... Uh, a Rebbe, even though he was never officially my Rebbe. A mentor, even though he was never officially my mentor. And a hero to me. And I am going to go back just for a moment to 1986. I'm going to go back to 1986. An address that Rabbi Lamb gave on April the 6th. Uh, to the brand new Musmachim, the brand new rabbis that had gotten their degrees, their rabbinic degrees from Reitz, the Rabbi Isaac Alchanan Theological Seminary. And um, Rabbi Lamb, on this 10th yard site of Dr. Belkin, his Rebbe, and on the 100th anniversary of Yeshiva University, dedicates the address to Dr. Samuel Belkin. And he writes, Dr. Belkin taught us by example that to be a Talmud Chacham, you need lumdus. To be a Yirei Shemayim, you need Emuna. To be a teacher, you need love of your pupils as well as your subject matter. But to be a Rav, a rabbi in the classic Jewish sense, you need all these and much more. You need the gift of leadership. Dr. Belkin himself was an orphan from Lithuania who became a renowned Talmud Chacham at a young age wandered to the USA, got himself a doctorate at Brown University, and then came to yeshiva as both a Rosh Yeshiva and professor of Greek. His contribution to the Jewish world, however, was not confined to what he knew and what he taught, but was distinguished by the way he combined these with his vision, his goals, his determination, his readiness to use either gentle persuasion or confrontation, in a word, his leadership. It was the ability to integrate his Torah and his motto with his leadership qualities that ensured his place in Jewish history. Dr. Belkin was blessed with great gifts, both intellectual and personal, and few of us indeed can aspire to equal his achievements, but we can learn from him, each in his own way and in accordance with his own personality, to exercise leadership in our careers as rabbis, to bear in mind that the rabbin is neither a service profession nor a lifelong kolel at the expense of a congregation but a challenge to take the initiative to dream dreams for the greater glory of God and Torah and Israel and implement them, to teach but also to direct and orient 
and mold and build and create. These were the words that Rabbi Lamb used to remember Dr. Belkin. I will use the same words on this day after the passing of Rabbi Lamb to say, as Rabbi Lamb said, it was the ability to integrate his Torah and his motto with his leadership qualities that ensured his place in Jewish history. And Rabbi Lamb, for that, your Talmidim, those you have mentored, and those who considered you a hero, like we did, we will never ever forget. We mourn the loss of Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb, and of course our condolences to his entire family, and uh, to the Yeshiva University family, and many other families where he had so much influence in so many things that he did in his brilliant career. And I hope that uh, those who've criticized him publicly over the years, I hope that uh, they too recognize his greatness on a day like today. Today is the day for that. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki, Monday morning broadcast. Thanks to all who've been uh, donating to our fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you. And this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best. And right now, during the month of June, keep in mind the dads and grads. As you go to the website, kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, 10% discount with promo code RADIO. Again, that's kosherdogs.net, 10% discount with promo code RADIO. Uh, Again, it's a um, good time to remember the dads and grads out there. Well, our friends at the Jewish Center present the ninth annual Keter Torah Award Ceremony. This year, the Jewish Center of Manhattan will be honoring Barbara Paris and Adira Hulkauer in recognition of their special contribution during this pandemic that we know as... uh, COVID-19. In the spirit of the holiday, which celebrates two great Jewish heroines, Naomi and Ruth, the Keter Torah Award Ceremony will be held the week after Shavuos on the 3rd of June via Zoom. The ceremony provides a unique opportunity for the Jewish Center family to show its high regard for the outstanding commitment and leadership of women in our community. Adira Hulkauer, who is with us live via telephone, is Chief of the Bioethics Consultation Service at Montefiore Medical Center, Assistant Professor of Epidemiology and Population Health at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. In addition to bioethics consultation, she teaches bioethics to the medical students and medical residents. Prior to joining the center, uh, she was a trial and appellate attorney for the Legal Aid Society, where she represented children in abuse, neglect, and juvenile delinquency cases. She's being recognized uh, not only for all her accomplishments um, in the past, uh, but uh, specifically now during COVID-19 for the hard work in starting the AdoptAFrontliner.com website and effort. Adopt a Frontliner. Adira Hulkauer, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate that. Um, I-, I would assume it's been a couple of really difficult months. Uh, I know that Montefiore, like many other hospitals, in the city have had to endure a uh, a tremendous test, to say the least, test in terms of numbers and test in terms of uh, diagnosis and the pandemic that uh, for a while was running wild through our city. How would you describe in general what it was like in a hospital environment uh, during COVID-19? I think that um, I would describe it as a combination of both um, fear and drive. I think that none of us are immune, not the healthcare providers um, or any of the staff at the hospital to the fear that the general population has been feeling around this time of pandemic. But there's also has been incredible drive to do the best we can by all of our patients. Um, And there has been an incredible feeling of energy and camaraderie around the hospital. Um, I think one of the most fantastic things that we've seen is just basically everyone showing up saying, I know I normally wear this hat, but I'm willing to wear any hat you tell me I have to wear right now in order to serve our population. And being around that kind of energy, it's incredibly inspiring, especially right now where there's so much tension in the world. Real teamwork, the sum being being greater than the uh, value of its parts. And that, is, and that is something that we've seen from so many hospital staffs and so many hospital families and communities uh, over the last couple of months. Tell us about Adopt a Frontliner. How did you come up with the idea, and what is the idea? Um, about 
it was actually the Saturday night of Pesach, and I was sitting in my house thinking, how how can I be useful beyond sort of the um, work I do at in the ethics service, but how can I get to each individual frontline worker and say thank you in some way? Um, and what had crossed my mind was that there had been so many grand signs of gratitude, which have been so important and so welcomed, like the food deliveries and the clapping and fire engines driving by waving at us and things like that at the hospital. But I thought that um, sometimes that can get lost on the individual and how do we think the individual. And I happen to have had the email addresses of every one in my hospital, but specifically about 200 medical residents. So I decided, let me get them letters. And I posted on Facebook, and the, re- the response was overwhelming from individuals who wanted to create projects of gratitude um, for our frontline workers. So the, the, I guess the difference between this and some of the other projects is that I give each volunteer a particular name, and I explain to them the role that that person plays in the hospital, and they write a personalized letter to that individual. Um, and then I send it to their email box so they never know when it's going to show up. <laughs> and it's been it's been quite a ride. I mean, we have um, one public school in Rigo Park that 700 kids are writing letters. Um, but tons of schools, community centers have been participating. Um, I've zoomed into classrooms in Arkansas a Girl Scout troop in Georgia. I have no idea how they found out about me um, and about the project, but it's been amazing. Uh, and to many, it may sound simple. It may sound like, you know, not that difficult to implement, but uh, when it gets to this scale, I, I would imagine that uh, uh, it's pretty remarkable uh, seeing how large it's gotten and what type of worldwide attention it's gotten. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I think that a lot of people send the physical, they send a digital copy of the card. That's kind of the important thing is anybody can do this from their home. Right. They just write a letter, draw a picture, send a picture, and I send that along. But some people have also sent the hard copies to my apartment. And every time I get a letter, I look at the stamp and I'm like, New Mexico? How did I get to New Mexico? You know, like it's just kind of amazing to see um, the reaction it's been having. And it is a lot administratively, and certainly I have my struggles, but um Every time I get a letter back from one of our frontline workers, and I'm happy to read one to you now if we have time, it just it reminds me that this is really important work. Yeah, let's hear. What are, how do they respond? Let me hear what they say. Okay, so this is from a, a gentleman named Rocco who received art from Emma and her daughter Ariana, and he wrote to me, Adira, I am completely overwhelmed by the beautiful work done by Emma and Ariana. I wish I had the right words to express the appreciation and utmost gratitude I'm feeling at this moment. Thank you, Emma and Ariana, for this gift. It means so much more to me than I can tell you. It has given me a renewed sense of purpose, strength, and hope to move forward through this time and to continue giving my best effort in every aspect of my job and life as I possibly can. Your project is absolutely wonderful, and I will be reaching out to the email you provided as well to express my thanks. If there's anything I can do to support you outside of continuing my work at the hospital, please let me know. I am happy to help and support you in any way I can. Respectfully, Rocco. Pretty amazing. Uh, And if you look at the gallery on your website, kids and parents both have the ability to be really creative. A lot of people would think, you know, just a short message of thanks is enough. But 
some of the artwork and drawings and the time that's obvious that has been uh, invested by the people who are just expressing thanks is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I think that to me was actually the most surprising piece was to have volunteers write to me and say, I've been sitting at home and I'm feeling lost and without purpose. And now I have something that I can do to be a part of this. Um, Say thank you. Adira Hulkauer is with us. Is there still a need now at the beginning of June to thank doctors, nurses, secretaries, therapists, social workers, food service personnel, transportation and security personnel, Adira Hulkauer? Absolutely. We, I have hundreds of names of people who would love to receive cards. Uh, all you got to do is go to adoptafrontliner.com, literally, adoptafrontliner.com. Join the community of thankers immediately. You'll see the tab says join here, and uh, you'll be able to uh, utilize the email address uh, that you uh, will see at the top of the page to be in touch with Adira as well. So go to the page, adoptafrontliner.com. Uh, click on join here, and you'll be able to be among those who say thank you in this very simple but amazing way to all the people who are um, on the front lines as we enjoy the comfort of our home uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what are your feelings about being recognized by the Jewish Center, Adira? Um, a little bit of overwhelm and a little bit of resistance definitely at the beginning, um, there's always, I think, um, some some uh, tension that comes with accepting an award for Chesed that I think is where, to me, Chesed is supposed to sort of just be um, on its own and live on its own. But I realized over the last couple of weeks as I've been thinking about it that if I can inspire anybody else to sort of just say, I have a creative idea that can be in service to other people and shows me that I can do it from the comfort of my own home. And I'm and one more person sort of like throws their hat in the chesed ring. That's awesome to me. So I'm feeling good. Thank you. Yeah, you should. It's well-deserved, and you are helping to spread the word about doing chesed, especially at a time, as you pointed out before, uh, that we're seeing and watching people destroy other people's lives right in front of us. It's a good opportunity uh, to step up the chesed and to thank people for the work that they're doing. And um, uh, hopefully this will uh, outnumber very quickly uh, the uh, the episodes of Chesed will hopefully and thanks will hopefully outnumber the episodes of destruction that are uh, going around our country literally as we speak. Uh, the Jewish Center this coming uh, uh, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. will recognize Barbara Paris and Adira Holkauer with the Keter Torah Award in recognition of their special contributions during this pandemic. Uh, for information, um, uh, you can contact the Jewish Center. That would be the best way to do it, and you can actually be part of their Zoom gathering this coming Wednesday night when they do this uh, v- ceremony virtually online starting at 8 p.m. Again, be in touch with the Jewish Center on West 86th Street. You can go to jewishcenter.org, jewishcenter.org. And Adira Hulkauer is being recognized for all her work at the uh, Montefiore Medical Center and the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, but specifically as we uh, continue with this pandemic for her work in starting AdoptAFrontliner.com, AdoptAFrontliner.com, and we use this opportunity to remind everybody that it's very, very worthwhile to go to that website and join, AdoptAFrontliner.com. Adira Holkauer, mazal tov to you. Our best regards to the, Ju- you. to the Jewish Center and continue your amazing work. It's really wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Monday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Mordechai Shapiro with Hayom. Monday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget tomorrow, Avram Freed is scheduled to join us. Avram Freed tomorrow here at J.M. in the A.M. will join us through Zoom. We'll try to have it on Facebook Live, but of course, uh, most importantly, he'll be on J.M. in the A.M. Talk about the brand new album, Project Relax. Avram Freed tomorrow morning right here at J.M. in the A.M. Also, a reminder... The big concert is coming up at 1 o'clock Eastern time today. 1 o'clock Eastern time today, it's the uh, Solomon Brothers, the Moshav Band. It is um, Zusha. It is um, Eitan Katz, Shlomo Katz, Soul Farm, all together in concert starting at 1 p.m. today Eastern time. Um, a concert to help rebuild the Solomon home in Moshav Mavomodin in Israel. I'll be hosting on this side of the world. Um... Yadidja Mayer is going to be on the other side of the world. And uh, we'll be doing this together starting at 1 o'clock. You'll hear the whole thing starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time on our network right here at the the Nahum Siegel Network app. Uh, And on the website, you'll hear it all starting at 1 p.m. should be a very, very interesting show. We are encouraging people to donate and help the Solomon family rebuild their home home in Moshav Mavomodin. So that is happening 1 o'clock today. Tomorrow, 8 a.m. for Avram Free. Tomorrow, 8 a.m., Avram Free joins us here at the JM and the AM. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, coming up, Mayor Weingarten with the Israel Show, just a couple of minutes away. He'll discuss the impact of the ongoing riots in the U.S. on the Israeli-Arab conflict, how Israel and the Arab world are making peace without a peace deal, and the great weekly mix of new and nostalgic Israeli music. It's all happening right after JM and the AM. Don't forget to like the Israel Show Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. And uh, earlier we mentioned uh, the passing by Dr. Norman Lamb and our condolences to his entire family, of course. And um, words that he said about Dr. Belkin, but I say them about Rabbi Lamb. It was the ability to integrate his Torah and his motto with his leadership qualities that ensured his place in Jewish history, and many of us considered him a Rebbe, a mentor, a hero. Uh, he was heroic in many ways. The pain of being criticized by others was uh, was was difficult, it seemed, for him to endure, and, and uh, in the majority of cases, unfair. And um, he always acted like a leader, and that will never be forgotten. 
Again, our condolences to his entire family. And uh, the the reference that I've been using, the words that I uh, mentioned earlier, are a um, an excerpt of his 1986 Chag HaSmicha lecture at Yeshiva University on the occasion of Dr. Balkin's 10th yard site and on the 100th anniversary of Yeshiva University 34 years ago. And uh, those words resonate loudly today, loudly. And we remember Dr. Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb. Um, we are praying collectively as a people and as a nation, we are praying that our government officials, our police forces, um, our leaders have the strategy and the common sense to end the continuous riots, destructive riots that are taking the lives of people, both physically and in terms of their businesses and livelihoods. And we pray, we pray that our government leaders, before they are remembered for their lackadaisical approach to what is going on, that our government leaders and our police forces both give and are given what is necessary to end this violence and end it now. I don't think that... um, I, I think that many people are have had it with the COVID-19 restrictions, and we've seen them demonstrate that. I think now most God-fearing and and good citizens, God-fearing and, and good people who are good citizens who are members of this nation have had it with the violent acts that are going on on a daily basis in this country. Let's hope God gives the government officials and the police the strength and the wherewithal and common sense to deal with this properly. Achim of Israel and Achim Machem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Monday here at JM and the AM. Avram Freed tomorrow at 1 o'clock today. 1 o'clock Eastern time today. The concert to benefit the Solomon family with all those great artists. We'll have it on our network. Join us 1 p.m. Eastern time today here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Mayor Weingarten next. Joni Pollock after that with After Further Review. Jake Novak with Novak Now coming up and plenty more. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network all day long. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.